and welcome to The Design Away, a podcast focusing on personal stories of designers who are living and working outside of their comfort zone. In this episode, Philip and Jorn will interview Pragam Hattore, also a designer at ING in Amsterdam. You will hear about Pragam's time in India, where he is originally from, and what made him switch from mechanical engineering to design. A researcher at heart, it was in South Korea that Pragam first left his comfort zone. He will tell us about his time at Samsung, where he was part of a team that researched the next mobile ideas. This interview was recorded remotely from a social safe distance in August 2020. Recording live from Amsterdam, we are here with Pragam Rotore. Welcome, Pragam. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Good to have you. Pragam is a colleague of ours, UX designer in ING, but I don't want to spoil too much. I don't want to give away too much. Pragam. Can you maybe do the honors of introducing yourself? Uh, so my name is Pragam. I come from India and well, New Delhi to be more precise. I work as a UX designer. And for those who don't know what UX design is, it's basically what you see on your phones and on your websites. I try to make them uh, user friendly. Uh, in a nutshell, that's how I would like to define it. Uh, I live in Amsterdam with my wife and a small boy, my son, who is almost two now. And we moved to Amsterdam four years back. Since I, I come from India, I, I come here on a visa. So it's it's a five-year duration visa. Uh, and yeah, my wife is also a designer. So we have a nice uh, design environment at home as well. So when um, you need an opinion from a designer, you can just uh, call your wife uh, to she, the working she, room. and she, she just rips me apart. I mean... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> She, she's the last person I go to when I have to get some feedback. She definitely has uh, a lot better design sense than me. So what I cannot figure out sometimes in days and I just show her the screen. She's like, yeah, why don't you put it or do it like this? And like, okay, yeah. Quite new, way, new way of seeing it. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So that comes handy for sure. But yeah, we, we have young uh, son now. So it's our life kind of also revolves a bit more on that side now. But yeah, Amsterdam is fun. That, that's a really yeah. good picture of where you are at the moment, touching upon a little bit on, on where you came from. Yeah. But let's maybe uh, go back in time and let's go back mm -hmm. in space to where you are coming from. Uh, can you introduce New Delhi to us a little bit? Okay, so yeah, New Delhi is uh, an easy way for, for me to tell uh, to people who don't know about India that where I come from. It's actually not New Delhi. It's where I worked for most part of my life. Uh, I come from a small town which is uh, four hours from New Delhi. Um, And four hours in Netherlands could mean you land in Germany, but in India, four hours mean <laughs> that you are probably just uh, 200 kilometers away. So it's it's a funny thing. How do you compare uh, times in different countries? But anyway, so it's a uh, well small again. Small means around I think two million people live in that town. So it's also interesting that's, how that's a big city here. Even, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, in India, it's probably smaller. Um, I come from there. I, I grew up there. My whole education was there, schooling and everything. And from there, I went to study engineering. That's yeah, quite common in India. Engineering or going to medicine is probably the most sought out, mm -hmm. sought after <laughs> professions. And I landed in an institute which was just starting. And that was also a nice A-B test for me for four years that we were being the first, yeah, batch or we were like the guinea pigs for that institute but something nice has happened there so i was going there to join in mechanical engineering but they had a very experimental curriculum there which is introducing design and art and aesthetics which 
killed actually a lot of my job prospects in mechanical engineering but thankfully <laughs> because of that i could get exposed to design world and then from there i pursued a masters uh, in design and yeah from there on then i started my professional career and was it that opportunity uh, that you saw there with the with the new curriculum that kind of led you to design or did you already had some affinity towards towards arts towards creativity for me it was the other way around i knew for sure what i don't want to do so i was crossing off uh, careers after my school that okay i definitely don't want to do this i don't want to do medicine because yeah i don't want to study for life and <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to work crazy hours. That was for sure. So I think so that was my way forward in my career. And when I was in engineering, my first two years were, yeah, I was really bored, and I was like, okay, this is definitely not my cup of tea. But in India, you don't have options to like easily drop out or really, uh, mm-hmm. you know, switch courses. So it's it's not something in our culture that you go to a college and after two years you say, hey. I don't like this anymore. I'll come mm-hmm. back home and figure out what to do next. Where you were, but yeah. again, thankfully, we were introduced. So yeah, basically, I remember we had a course on arts and aesthetics, and it was possibly the first class where I yeah I was not yeah kind of sleeping or dozing off and like okay this is interesting I I can do well, something. It picked in- your interest uh, straight away. Exactly, and I was possibly uh, yeah one of the top two or three students in that. subject so that also nice. felt good that hey i can i cannot uh-huh. be just a mediocre student i can do something in this uh, domain and that kind of kicked off uh, my interest and also later part of my uh, course there i was more involved in making things projects that was really becoming kind of my kind of work to do for the, for, yeah. for the four years i was there was it uh, was it straight away interactive design or was it also more industrial product design it was more of product design without nice sketches of course so <laughs> that was again never my i tried my best but somewhere in the last year of my design course i like okay this is not going to work for me my my sketching never really picked up but what really interested me actually was the whole aspect of studying users and that's where i focused again it was not something uh, which was taught as a subject or was a specialization where i was but yeah it just really interested me a lot to talk to users and what you are doing actually right now what so, is the what is the design industry like in in india is is it big were there lots of yeah. opportunities for you once you graduated well it's it's getting better now when i was uh, there i think also the pace at which uh, the design tools and all those things are changing it's, it's quite big i remember when i was uh, studying if you have to render one product yeah you have to really take a tutorial to do it and it was a huge pain to really put your ideas out there using photoshop or i don't know what i think the whole industry really shifted uh, gears when this whole the, the ux thing kicked off and what what year was this it was around 2009 10 around that okay. but yeah ux i think was still kind of picking up i i mean there were a lot of website designs around it but i think it's only after the the whole evolution which really mm-hmm. yeah made really make it more democratic right uh yeah so in india i think it's it's we don't really have that much of industrial design i think because you need to have a lot of manufacturing capabilities as a country to really push that one but i think for interaction design and ux design it's really becoming a, yeah a big hub i would say for the for the startups there and, and so even yeah it's a funny thing even before coming to netherlands i was uh, freelancing for a while 
I was doing actually pretty good in terms of projects. It's, it was quite satisfactory, I would say. I was not complaining at all. Even before that, of course, before you uh, came over to, to Amsterdam, you were already working in a completely different country than India, which was, oh, yeah. you worked at Samsung in South Korea. Oh, yeah. For one year, yes, I was in South Korea. And yeah, that was, I would say, completely different world, not even country. Can you explain a bit about the differences, the cultural differences, and, and let's say the, the shock that, that you experienced there? Or was it a shock at all? Maybe let's start with that. I think it was, uh, well, we get used to a bit of it when you work for Samsung because uh, they do kind of onboard you a bit onto how it's uh, working like where you have calls and stuff. But yeah, living there is totally different uh, ball games. So yeah, I mean, you don't know the language, right? So you, you, you get out of the airport and you don't know how to tell the cab driver where you want to go. So here you go. Uh, and yeah, so I think language was uh, probably the biggest uh, barrier initially. Did you really need a language in your daily work or was it all in English and was it more uh, outside work that you needed the language? It would have been nice if I knew a bit of Korean because there are actually very few well colleagues, at least in my office, who knew good English. So, of course, it was also different because they knew I was there for one year and I also knew that. So there was a bit of an adjustment on both sides. But I could see like uh, sometimes in meetings, I mean, if you are brainstorming with a group of designers, you need to communicate. Otherwise, it's, it's not going to work. Uh, at least the good thing was they could read English. So a lot of stuff was on post-its if they can read. But even within, yeah, even if you know the language, the culture is very, very, yeah, there's a word for it, I forgot, but they're not very expressive. So, yeah, it, it doesn't matter if you know Korean or not, but for example, if you are reviewing designs with a group of uh, users, then they won't really come back and say, hey, this works or this doesn't work. So it's, you won't hear, I love it or I hate it. No, no, no. It's it's <laughs> all somewhere between the lines, between the, the body language and very rarely you will openly hear criticism. So it's like a mutual mm -hmm. thing. Hey, you don't criticize anyone in a meeting or in, mm -hmm. in a design review. So it was, uh, I think, more tricky that way as well, because it's also like a lot of hierarchy. So you present to your boss and your boss is into, I don't know, infinite bosses mm -hmm. on top of each other. Uh, so fr from what I from what I'm getting, uh, it's it's hard to to judge the usability of your designs just by interviewing people, and it's also hard to get feedback from your stakeholders. So I'm wondering how did that impacted you as a, as a designer, and also what were your strategies to to find a way and to find uh, the the right design for 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 the right problem. So so actually, my work there was not really that much on making a lot of interfaces. I was part of this innovation group, which works for yeah the next mobile ideas that was the core uh, goal of the team so actually it was quite fun i mean fun in a way that i'm not really sitting and making pixel perfect designs for the samsung phones and there's like a huge team who does that and they are kind of experts in what they do i think there are around more than 500 designers who just wow. make the interfaces for the, the wow. even that's more a, that's a huge team wow Imagine working I think the, together with 500 designers. <laughs> yeah, but of course, they're like multiple teams. So some one team will work on messages and stuff like that. So imagine it's it's a huge, uh, they're, they're making their own OS, right? So it's yeah. it's a lot of design languages, systems, small interface, GUI guidelines. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of work going on. So and does it, does it help then to have uh, such a, a strict hierarchy in the company? If you have so many designers and such a big project that you need to tackle? I think, well, I can have my opinion on that. I mean, I, I personally didn't like it that much, especially if you say you are from an innovation team, which needs to try out new things, experiment a lot, and it can't really just come from always from the top on what you need to do. 
but having said that, and I'm, I'm always surprised by how this company works, especially Samsung. I mean, with all the setbacks and, you know, criticism that they get most of the time from the design community, they still do good. And I think they probably, well, we always compare them with Apple, right? I mean, we have the, the Apple fan club and a smaller mm-hmm. Samsung fan club, I would say, but <laughs> I think that company is still doing pretty okay. I mean, you cannot say that it's all wrong or, or something like that, but I did find a lot of faults back then, but in hindsight now, I think they also did a, a lot of uh, interesting stuff uh, mm-hmm. to the company and how they work. I mean, imagine working in a company which has so much technology lying in their storeroom mm-hmm. that, I mean, you as designer, you get an email that, hey, we have these five really cool kind of things in our backlog and we don't know how to use it. Can you help us? Where we say, hey, we have, I mean, now I can say it because it's, it's out there in the market. Like we have a folding technology. Tell us how we can use it. So yeah, you, you mentioned that it was a challenge to get feedback. I, I'm curious, how, how did you find a way? Let's take one example, maybe not the folding phone, but another example. And mm-hmm. how did you manage to, to find a direction? That's, that's a tough one. Actually, that's something which yeah, you don't always have control on. Because as I said, it's, it's a very hierarchical system. And you are just given access to your immediate boss. So what you can do is convince him in the best way. With me, it was I was lucky because... Well, one of my kind of bosses was Gregory, who understands English pretty well. And there was another boss for our team. And she was also a Korean-American. She became like from MIT. So yeah, she also understood me well, but I didn't know what happened beyond. You can, you can uh, actually hear the, the interview with Gregory in another episode. Okay. Uh, so I was more, more or less put in projects or teams where there were at least one or two good English speakers so that maybe it's easier for the team and also easy for me. So again, it was since it, it was a one-year uh, contract, I think it was it was easy to manage. Mm-hmm. And I was actually given or asked by, by my boss to, hey, do you want like, to stay longer? And that was actually one reason why I said no, because I could not foresee myself being there for four or five mm-hmm. years and then struggling with mm-hmm. everyday meetings. And But the country mm-hmm. itself was was awesome. Uh, for example, the food here was, I mean, Korea was amazing and I still go to Korean restaurants in Amsterdam to keep in wow. touch with. Yeah, I'm seeing your smile now and uh, that's a really genuine smile when somebody <laughs> yeah. speaks of good food. So yeah, I had one uh, question here because you said you, you could not see yourself for four and maybe even more years there, but you do uh, found, found yourself living four and more than four years in the Netherlands now. Can you tell us a bit more about, about your stay here? Maybe starting from the very beginning, what was your first impression uh, and were you here before uh... i was here once in my final year we did a project in finland my institute has a collaboration there with and of course once you're flying off for the first time out of the country you would like to make some detours so one of the detours was for amsterdam for obvious reasons i don't think i have to stay there um, as a student why would you like to come to amsterdam now i do feel not embarrassed but i can see myself if i go to amsterdam central with a backpack over enthusiastic <laughs> young 20 something <laughs> trying to conquer world in two days so that was my last or at least my first visit to Amsterdam not a lot to be remembered but it was fun at that time uh, and yeah since then yeah that was my second uh, visit when I came here uh, I was actually called for an interview mm-hmm. then I really started believing that I might actually move here and yeah I really like the place I look at it from a family perspective now and can mm-hmm. I 
settle here for more years and of course it was a big decision for us because we we wanted to move here then for good and expand your family as well uh, right yeah, yeah that was also on cards for sure and what about the the difference in work work culture <laughs> You mentioned you you didn't want to spend your entire week in the office in, uh, in South Korea, for instance. What's different about the work work culture in uh, in Amsterdam? Uh, well, I think there are some very obvious uh, differences. Like as you mentioned, uh, yeah, my first Friday here was a shock. I go there and like, oh, is this a national holiday or something? Or where is everyone? <laughs> Am I supposed to be here today or not? And then I was uh, my wife was still in India that time. She joined me a bit, bit later, and I was video calling her from inside my office. That hey, this is how my floor looks on a Friday, and there was I think literally no one. It's not like that every Friday, I know, but that was my first kind of work culture shock I got. And then later on, I realized that okay, maybe there's some people who work 32 hours, some 36 hours, and that's also was something really new for me. That hey, is this even possible? Uh, you can still work 32 hours, and yeah, so these kind of things were really new for me. And of course, the 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 amount of planning which goes in, maybe because of this fact that not everyone works all the time, how much you have to plan in advance for meetings. I'm still learning that that art of blocking agendas uh, months in advance. <laughs> I, I think I'm still a bit lazy with that. Yeah, so these were some of the things, and with with the with differences on how you treat hierarchies here and in Korea, that's also quite quite big difference. Even compared to India, I think it's it's quite different. Did you have to change your your daily work routine or your the, the way that you design, or has that changed over the four years that you're you're in Holland now, or the uh, Netherlands? Sorry. I would not say so. I mean, of course, uh, living and working in Amsterdam has helped. Because then my yeah commute time is really not that much. So that also has been my preference ever since I started working. I I hate spending time in meaningless trains and bus rides. So that way I do uh, save some time. But apart from that, I think it's not really changed the way I work that much. I think that's maybe because yeah, the way you design and the way design works is more or less the same. Pragam, you were uh, quite positive about the hierarchy and about the work balance. What about the, the testing and the feedback that, that you get from testing with customers, with, with users here in the Netherlands? How, how does that differ from your previous experience? Yeah, so that's an interesting one. So as I said, beginning of my career, I was mainly a researcher. And that would mean that for at least first three, four years, I was just doing research for Samsung. And my full-time job was to talk to customers. So I think I spoke to quite a bit of customers in India and in Korea as well and in Middle East. Uh, here, I, I, I do have a role which is not really requiring a lot of research per se. I think it's always voluntarily if you want to do it or not. But I do still sometimes miss the, uh, for example, the openness of doing a research beyond screens. And and that's something I, I probably also have on my bucket list. But for that, I need to know Dutch a little bit, which is also <laughs> on my bucket list. <laughs> but I do feel sometimes a bit disconnected with, with the society in general because of, of the language. I'm not saying that that's a big barrier. But for example, for me, the, 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 the goal would be that if I'm traveling in a public transport, I should be able to listen to what uh, the school kids are talking and what uh, some 70-year-olds who are sitting. What are they talking about? What What's the general conversation happening in and around what, what is the small talk happening in the grocery <laughs> shop I, I miss uh, this element because if you want to observe people it's not always in the lab setting i think it's it's a constant ongoing process which kind of you know helps you build your understanding of people around you so mm -hmm. that's that's yeah that's one part i miss but of course when when we go for work research it's mostly about ing and you know things we are designing and what we are showing but i do miss 
understanding the real people and like I, I have never been to a normal customer's house and that's something mm-hmm. I always did in Samsung we never interviewed in labs we always did it in context yeah context and but there's no stopping us i mean it's not mm-hmm. that something we can't do but somehow mm-hmm. i think it's not in in, mm-hmm. in our culture here and uh, mm-hmm. yeah so these are some elements i i miss but mm-hmm. but i think our language also plays a part in that mm-hmm. so. i will i will use this uh, as a bridge you mentioned things you are missing what about missing your family especially in this uh, times we are at at the moment with the uh, uh, lockdowns uh, worldwide and covid-19 spreading uh, maybe even spreading again yeah yeah that's yeah i i guess that's that's quite obvious we well family and friends i would put that way because yeah i mean if you stay in a place for 30 odd years you do make some good long lasting relationship with people so i always think family yes that's that's obvious but then you have friends who at least i i my personal opinion is after a certain age it's really hard to make new strong you know deep friendships so that's probably more of a part i miss and my wife as well and especially given that both of us are introverts we're not like really going out there mm-hmm. partying and doing meetups and so anyways our opportunities to make new friends and connections is quite limited by our nature so yeah for us that's uh, one thing we miss for sure and if ever i go back to my country that would be probably the reason why i do that yeah i was wondering also for the last couple of months you have been working from home of course mm-hmm. how has that impacted your uh, your workflow and has it also changed something for the better for the future maybe yeah i was just counting this morning i don't know why i was just counting how many months have passed now uh, <laughs> since we have started working from home and i think it's around 5 now if maybe mid second or third week this month it will be 5 months yeah time flies Whew. Yeah, which is almost <laughs> like if I round off, it's almost half a year if you think of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe it's not that bad. I mean, of course, you need to. I mean, I was never working from home, or at least working from my couch at best. But then you realize, okay, you cannot do this for how many number of months it's going to be. Uh, so yeah, I think setting up, making the environment is probably one of the challenges. But again, I think we are a bit blessed in this area because we the work, kind of work we do is okay. I mean, we can manage from home. I think. Apart mm-hmm. from the fact that we can't really collaborate that well, and we do miss our post-its. <laughs> Remote testing is a challenge as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, that too, true. But yeah, I think the the serendipitous brainstorming and those kind of things is something I really miss. And I, for example, I have some colleagues who will be, yeah, I'll be sitting uh, with them, just bothering them five times a day, figuring out some questions. And now everything has to be officially through channels, setting up new things. So I think. those things make a lot of work efficient for some people but i think for us it also kind of removes the fun of just eavesdropping by <laughs> at someone's chair like you really uh, do like to eavesdrop man <laughs> yeah 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 well yeah maybe uh, your own knows now um, <laughs> i started doing quite a bit uh, <laughs> last few months so yeah so that's uh, one thing i miss but of course also with family it's a bit of a challenge now we are settling yeah. in a rhythm uh, But yes, I think it's also a bit of a peer pressure. I mean, I I scan through LinkedIn and I scan through all these social medias, and I feel there is this rat race going on. Of, of, of you have to be efficient, you have to do this, you have to do that, and all these screenshots being shared of uh, happy teams uh, doing. Yeah, I mean, it was nice for first few days, but now I feel like yeah, it's 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 fine. I mean, I just just be like yeah, how you are. I mean, you don't really have to be hundred percent efficient and. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's challenging times, and uh, it, it comes with highs and with lows. What do you think will happen next? Uh, and uh, not just 
tomorrow next but maybe looking uh, deeper into the into the future further into the future mm -hmm. uh, where where do you see yourself mm, that's a tricky one <laughs> i know i know sorry for that <laughs> <laughs> will you still be in the netherlands or will you have moved back to india uh, or maybe another country altogether that's what my mom and dad ask every day. So <laughs> I have to really align on my answers there. <laughs> I don't know if they will ever hear this podcast, but let's see. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, we do plan to stay here as far as possible and as long as possible. But but yeah, it, it depends. I mean, so unless we have a very pressing reason to go back to India, we do plan to stay here. But yeah, it also all depends on how, for example, our... Yeah, our son is still growing up. I don't know how he will feel here in, in three years. I mean, of course, mm -hmm. he won't know how it is in India because we're not going there anytime soon. So we do want to give him as a chance as well to kind of really know the home country and really understand that place as well. And then maybe, yeah, decide in a few years where we want to be. And in career, I, I don't know. I'm just taking it as, as it comes. Right now, I really enjoy my challenges at IMD. Uh, my goal is to be in one place for a long enough time so that I can really see the highs and lows of the place and, and really have a full cycle. So whenever that cycle I will feel is completed, then probably time to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks a lot for uh, finding the time and for having this conversation with us. It was a pleasure hearing the Programmatore life and a design biography. Uh, <laughs> really nice uh, read and uh, listen. So yeah, th thanks a lot for that. That was it uh, for this episode. Uh, Jorn, any closing thoughts? Not really, no. I really like your uh, your story and uh, thanks for, uh, for sharing it with all of us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was really fun. Yeah, I mean, I do talk to you guys now and then, but yeah, this was a really different conversation. Really <laughs> refreshing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again and talk to you soon. again we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did if you have any feedback for us please write us to hello at designerwaypodcast.com we would love to hear your thoughts thank you for listening and see you next time